0: United States submarine base at Key West Florida. They dispatched that board President Poeman's Press Secretary Darold Ross as saying that President Poolman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force
1: and the Navy deny that such objects. Exist- I know they're a pillar of the community. Pillar in quotes,
0: but iconoclad did fucking sell out. Yeah, man, peace and love to them, but like they're selling like Shein. Five shirts for 15 bucks like bro i know what a fucking Shein shirt looks like i can see the tag you're not fooling anybody yeah i went there and it's just unfortunate because that's where i would buy
1: most of my clothes i even made a trip from ogden to salt lake to go to their new location and i was like i might as well just go buy new stuff from target because the prices are the same
0: yeah it is actually wild and what i was telling chelsea was that you know Uptown Cheapskate, another secondhand shop that has multiple locations here. I got the infamous Denim Levi's jacket that has like the Sherpa inside for $15 at Uptown. Hell yeah. Plato's Closet, and, too. And fucking the Iconocloud selling the same one for $48. And I'm just like, be fucking for real. Be, be fucking yeah. for real. BFFR.
1: Because I, they'll post Doc Martens on there. That's where I've bought so many of my doc, used Doc Martens from. And they're selling them maybe like $10 off on used ones now. And I'm like, yeah. do you have to up your prices to pay for the new location? Which I guess is fine. That makes financial sense. But at the same time, you should have just stayed in your old location and kept your prices down to appeal to the fucking people who are patrons of your shop in the first place.
0: Yeah, I don't go to secondhand stores because... I think it's cute and quirky. I go there because A, I don't want to support fast fashion and B, it's what's affordable for me.
1: 100% the same.
0: C, what is the fucking problem? What is the point if at the end of the day, I don't want to support fast fashion but I'm going into your establishment and you're selling a fast fashion shirt for triple the goddamn price! I'm about to say something controversial. Say it. Because I
1: have gone to Savers, Goodwill, uh, iconocloud etc and it's like they're all selling things at tag cost like price they're not selling it at cost they're selling it at price you wanna know who stayed true to the true to the discount is the di i went to the di and i found a shirt there it was just a fucking tank top i don't know why it was so expensive but it had the original tags on it and it was like 65 bucks i paid two dollars for it it was a white tank top and i'm like you're gonna make me like the di now and everything that they stand for because they keep their prices affordable
0: It's ridiculous. I'm going to go ahead and give a shopper's tip real quick. Um, You know, again, all jokes here. Savers has pretty much. Hey, let me say something. When people donate to your secondhand store for free, Mm -hmm. and then you turn around and make profit off of that, you should keep it fair. You should keep it. Mm -hmm. fair priced unlike goodwill for example who has been just the worst of the worst like upping prices quadruple honestly making it Mm -hmm. inaffordable. and it's like that was fucking donated to you for free bitch see yourself out but again these are all jokes and only do this if you are in a pinch financially but a establishment that rhymes with havers has recently turned to fully self-checkout um so you know you know what they say about self checkout do with it what you will and all i'm saying is that when i went to havers and i was checking out one of my things didn't have a tag and the lady was like just scan whatever you also have in your hand which was like a two dollar shirt yeah you got okay I was like, you bet I will, sis. So, um, you know, do with that information with what you will.
1: It's frustrating because I took my sister shopping and I was like, let's just go to Goodwill, find cute shit. And there were things that, like, a, I saw a Roxy dress. And I'm like, oh, I have a wedding coming up. And it they were selling it for, like, 30 bucks. I'm like, a fucking Roxy dress? Yeah, get out of here, PacSun. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I'm like, that's how much you would basically buy it for at PacSun. Like, mm-hmm. that's so dumb. I might as well just go buy everything fucking new. Yeah. It's yeah. Annoying. So so it is
0: annoying. So, you know, and I you know that take those tips.
1: Yeah. And I kind of glad used to be so fucking fun. I used to love it there. That was where you'd get like your fun, quirky stuff. And now it's like the fun, quirky stuff. But for the rich kids who only pretend to be poor because they're cosplaying it. Yeah. It's yep. the same with like uh, urban outfitters and no offense to urban outfitters. That's fine. But it was like when people would go there to dress like hippies or hobos. But then they're really spending like hundreds of dollars on shit. <laughs> you, you know what like I mean? It's like they they're cosplaying are. into it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine if you can afford it. But some of us can't afford it. So we go to places where we can get last year's fashion for a discount. And now if I'm paying full price, you're just... It's, uh, it's annoying. They're doing exactly what like, the housing market is. And you know what? I see you and I hate you for it. Yep. Fuck you. That's the tea. But well, I will say... What? What would you say? I did pay thirty dollars for this Necro Goblicon shirt, brand new at their concert, and I will say it is the best purchase I've ever made because I am supporting art. It is a great shirt. That show was so fucking fun. So they opened for Guar and the second band was weird. I wanna call it like a darkness, a Kroger brand Dark the Darkness, you know? Mm. The people who are saying, I believe in a thing that. Yeah. But I wish Necro Goblicon would have been the headliner because they were so fucking fun. Guar was fun. Wow, um, that was a pretty intense statement to say. Guar was fun. You know what you're getting with Guar, right? But Necro Goblicon was so fucking perfect. You know what I mean? It's like when you get the appetizer and it's so good, and you're like, I don't even want the entree anymore because I've been, f- I've been filled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They filled me. Yeah. Uh, so I would recommend everyone go check them out and they, their merch guy who sells their merch does their art. So you know that they're keeping it in the family, which is sick. Yeah. It's a great shirt.
0: It almost looks like it would glow in the dark. Are you going to go turn the, she's going to go attempt to turn the lights off. Does it? I think that's just the light. It's just the light for my computer. Well, you know, it was also pointed out when someone saw our new cups, by the way, um, Someone was like, oh, my God, I love uranium glass. And to that I say, yes, I do. I own uranium glass. It's where I keep some of my crystals because that's the correct way to do it. Mm -hmm. But um, I really do love uranium glass. There's just something about the like radioactive neon glow that is just delicious and appetizing. And that's also what your shirt is. Thank you. Also, these are sick. This
1: is, like, all I exclusively drink out of now. It's just full of, like, Mio.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you... S- I've got a little La in there, so... Ew, you're gross. Cheers, brother. Um,
1: <laughs> so, anyway.
0: This so has anyway. nothing to do
1: with what we're talking about today. Anyway, uh, um... But big shout-out to fucking Uncle Tito, because that episode was so successful. I had people approach me in public not that that happens often they they're friends who listen to the podcast but they absolutely loved that episode as did we we almost lost it we (laughs) didn't fucking record but i had to do i did do like weird internet shit to get it back
0: so yeah i almost i was having bubble guts when you said that you almost lost it i was like well I'm going to kill myself now. Um, <laughs> so I also <laughs> threatened suicide. I'm like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. Well, there it goes. Uh, that was my life. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> um, anyway, um, hey, what's up? My name is Noelle, and um, I'm really enjoying drinking out of this uranium glass. Oh, and I'm Chelsea. It's not
1: appendicitis. It's just constipation. And that
0: is a real-life story of what Chelsea went through story. last week. Yep. So... um. I don't want to call this episode what I titled this document because I decided it's not that. So, Shudder, the horror show app, I don't know what you'd call it, maybe that. Shudder came out with a series called Queer for Fear. New episodes every Friday, um, so by the time you listen to this, there will be a third episode out. And it's great. I loved it. I think it's fantastic. But even into the second episode, and maybe it's something that they will get to eventually, Um, they don't cover the, how can I say this in a a good way? There are both positive and negatives to um, queer coding and queer representation in horror specifically. And they are really gassing up um the positives even when the positives are like I saw myself in this monster right Mm -hmm. like they are it's still positive Mm -hmm. they aren't talking about something that I think is a really harmful trope of uh queer horror which we will get to later on so this was originally going to be a review of queer for fear and is now just the little seed that they put inside of my brain that is now getting me here to have this conversation with you Mm -hmm. and everyone listening Um, about the true tropes of horror. That's a great way to put it.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I interrupted you on your finale. I'm trying to not interrupt you as much. Well, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Planting a seed is the perfect way to put it because when you see universal monsters and things like that, and we'll absolutely get to it more in the episode, the way that you perceive them could very well be either at face value of like, it's a monster and I love that, or it could go into something of more depth. And I think that the Shudder series gave me a depth that I didn't understand why I would connect to it or why people would connect to it or why people at that time would connect to it. So I am excited to talk about it um, because it was very new food for thought for me and I was hungry for it.
0: Yeah. So, and there are so many reasons right on the surface a lot of people can uh say like i, I always relate with the villains i always relate with the monsters because i'm an outcast mm-hmm. but when you think even think about that sentence and think about why maybe you because you were fucking goth in high school feel that way but imagine being a queer person mm-hmm. um how much heavier that sentence means And there's even laws that go into why you feel that way and honestly, how it was purposely placed there. We'll get into that. So let's dive in. Despite what people like Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro would like to tell you, as far back as there have been human history, there has been queerness the us and the uk for decades essentially had a don't ask don't tell policy about gayness and if you were if you were a little too loud about it then you'd be punished but even our vocabulary gave roundabout ways of explaining the gay away if you will um so these sayings i just pulled all of these examples from a youtube essayist um from trope talk queer coded Mm -hmm. is the title if you want to listen to it but um they list all these off and i just loved them so i wanted to take them exactly yeah men weren't gay they were quote confirmed bachelors that woman isn't partnered with a man because they're mutually covering up their own queer identities by giving each other plausible deniability while seeing people on the side that they're actually attracted to, they're just in a quote, lavender marriage. Those two independently wealthy New England women aren't living together because they're lesbians. They're just in a quote, boss in marriage. That woman who never seemed interested in getting married or set or settling isn't asexual or aromantic or lesbian. She's a quote spinster this person who dressed and lived publicly as a man their whole life and took great pains to make sure nobody found out they were assigned male at birth wasn't it or assigned female at birth wasn't a trans man maybe they were just really committed to going to to medical school so
1: that's insane um i've heard spinster i have not heard Well, I mean, Confirmed Bachelors, that one's not really, but I haven't heard Lavender Marriage, I haven't heard Boston Marriage, Mm -hmm. Um, I had no idea about the transgender trope, but it's interesting, this is something that we covered in school a lot, was you can tell what's important based on how we describe it, and the fact that there is no direct way of describing that was socially acceptable to describe, you know... um, any queerness shows that it
0: wasn't important in society which is wild Um, yeah it's it's interesting because in this time period in like the the 18th century into early 19th when it came over to the u.s and stuff it's just like there was literally vocabulary about it it just Mm -hmm. wasn't saying verbatim you know queerness, gayness homosexuality lesbianism whatever it was never saying that it was always like these roundabout like uh fun little dr seuss sentences to describe what it actually was um and you could even say that we had it you know it's still it's still kind of trickled on because what what's the joke about like oh yeah that's my that's my grandma's best, dearest, closest friend who mm-hmm. she's lived with for the past 50 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we still, we still have oh. those little Dr. Sue sentences. We even have ways of
1: navigating around it. So if a guy takes care of himself we won't just say he's a guy who takes care of himself because that's an inherently gay trait that society has assigned or is a female trait. So we say metrosexual and then Mm -hmm. you'd be like, oh, so they're straight, but they take care of themselves. Like we won't even approach the subject um, Mm -hmm. of any like feminine trait that we've attached, uh, which is so fucking fun, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's it's very fucking silly, but. Um, just like, you know, the opposite side of the coin while well, they had these terms like lavender marriage for these arrangements, which a lot of like artists were a part of and contributed mm-hmm. to, um, if you did get caught, if you did, if you were just like a little too loud actual punishment would happen. So yeah. some of the most um, famous historical punishments of public gayness come from Alan Turning and Oscar Wilde. And we're going to specifically stay on Oscar Wilde because he's the tie into horror, if you couldn't figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so both kept their relationships very private and all their relationships were completely consensual. Um, Oscar Wilde was the more outwardly flamboyant of the two examples here, but both me- both men, like Walt, in like gay relationships consensual gay relationships like they still mm-hmm. kept it on the low mm-hmm. so much so that oscar wilde actually took the marquess of queensberry to- like queersbury <laughs> <laughs> yeah tell her tell her, tell her, tell her. <laughs> um took her to court for um libel when he accused him of sleeping with his son which from secret love letters he did do and we do approve of that but oh yeah um but at this point like oscar wilde would rather go down fighting than the mere accusation of being gay like just in the public right because like all his fucking friends knew but like it was a public you know what i mean
1: it's like the open secret Mm -hmm. where it just can't be addressed but it's allowed to exist
0: exactly and it was he just didn't want to deal with like the societal negativity that surrounded something like mm-hmm. being outed yeah um and it was in this court case where a team of private investigators a fucking team put wild's entire life on blast exposing him of not only his homosexuality but every single relationship like they just hung him out to fucking dry um he did try to deny everything at first But it was so it was the gravity of it was so insane that the case entirely flipped right because it started off as Oscar trying to sue for liable then turned into everyone against him. Mm -hmm. Um, So the case was flipped and turned on him by the news of his relationships and he was arrested and he tried pleading not guilty. Um, But at the end of the day, he was a fucking poet and kind of a hopeless romantic
1: well it was really shitty too because he like walked into the courthouse just in a full pink suit like flinging confetti and he's like i'm here and was, like, <laughs> he did it, like cat cat
0: cat cat yeah he vogued, going, yeah, he vogued he into the courtroom um <laughs> so he like even though he tried to fight it and deny it he was a fucking little soppy poet and um he let the case cave in on itself and he just he owned it by the end of it he just owned it and he defended it it like a man right Mm -hmm. he defended it by saying quote love that dare not speak its name and in his statement he summarized how quote that love between two men is perfectly natural beautiful noble and dating back to ancient greece and it's not the fault of that love that the modern world doesn't understand it
1: Dude, and he, here's what was so impressive about it was, like, Oscar Wilde wasn't a degenerate by any means, and he wasn't any scourge of society, so he could have just gone to France
0: mm-hmm.
1: and been okay, uh, but he decided to stay and be like, I didn't do anything wrong, so I'm going to yeah. stay here and fight it, and that's what makes his story a little bit more heartbreaking, because he was willing to be a political uh, figure in the sense to defend something that he shouldn't have had to defend against in the first mm-hmm. place. like he didn't start the fight and then he got dragged
0: into it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean the thing about Oscar Wilde and what happened to him, is because like he first he went to court trying to say i'm not gay how dare you say i am i'm going to sue you and then it turned around and that person was like i have literally libraries of evidence that you are i'm going to charge you and then it turned on him he tried to deny it at first and then at the end he was like no fuck you guys my love is beautiful and there's something about that that relates to like the nature of it like Mm -hmm queerness gayness whatever you want to call it it's natural it is just the nature of of a person and that theme of fighting nature comes back into play into so many horror tropes of queerness which we'll talk about later but um let's end this sad story of oscar wilde with what happened um because while his heart remained free from the chains of shame when he finally just let it out and let it be that he was a gay man um, he was charged with gross indecency with men, which is what the um, the legal jargon was for being out. Mm-hmm. He served two years of hard labor from 1895 to 1897. Um, and those close to him said that he was never the same after this, obviously, just a changed kind of broken man from the hard labor. And he ended up dying from meningitis three years later.
1: Yeah. 100% a death sentence for... yeah. It would be a dissonance for me too. If you're like you have to do two years of hard labor, I would just like inhale cat hair and off myself of an asthma
0: Yeah, it was like, It definitely was like specifically um, giving him the punishment of hard labor. It's just like they were just trying to break him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was a, a, an artist, and and what more of a thing to do to, to break someone than that? Yeah. So, while tragic and sad, Oscar Wilde gave us the picture of Dorian Gray. Hence, I'll- how what.
1: I just I fucking hated that book. Um, I think it was well, good, but I do think it's a I do think it's an important book.
0: You're a hater, and maybe you hate it because
1: hater. it had to be edited down so much. So, uh, no, it was just so fucking boring, man. I recommend just read the chapters where it talks about Dorian Gray's likes and his interests, and it's like he was really into fabric and perfumes, and there's like six chapters about it, and it is a rough boring read
0: but the <laughs> yeah, story
1: fascinating yeah the story is great so the book it's like soft Imagine going to, like, Chuck-O-Rama and someone putting shit into the ice cream machine and just being (laughs) like, you're here all night, open your mouth and take it.
0: And you're like, I don't want it! Just let Oscar Wilde have his place to release his interior design wants and needs, okay? But read the cliff
1: notes on the picture of Dorian Gray. I would not recommend reading the book because there is nothing to get out of it except that Dorian Gray fucking sucked. The book and the character. I I mean, But, yeah. After learning about uh, the deeper symbolism that oscar Wilde put into it which i'm excited you're about to talk about if i would sh- shut the fuck up uh made i like literally turned to oliver and i'm like this is the first time i've ever heard anything that made me interested in dorian gray after reading the fucking book
0: well and i think that's the thing right and like maybe you'll give um oscar wilde some slack when you like find out about how his it had to be dulled down um but I do appreciate the reimaginings of Dorian Gray that we see in like current day media. So uh, it's whenever I hear it, I get a little excited, but just some quotes about what people have. Actually, Chelsea, I'll let you read this quote since you hate Dorian Gray so (laughs) much.
1: Um, Um, So my first introduction to Dorian Gray was the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because the character in that movie was fascinating. And so then I read the book and the book um, was very dry, because it's it's a book of its time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it read exactly how a book of its time would be expected to read. But also Dorian Gray was a huge prick. Like he was fucking mean to people and he was awful to women, mm-hmm. uh, but he was forced to be in these relationships. So now my whole mind is getting blown. Um, but yeah, let me go ahead and read this. Wait, I'll, I'll, I'm putting it at the
0: bottom. So let me, I'll, oh. okay, I'll start here. This is Oscar Wilde, okay? Quote, there is no such thing as a moral or immoral book. Books are well-written or badly written, that is all. And this was something he had to write in the preface to the 1891 edition because of the backlash from its original release. Um, Before it hit the presses, Wilde's original version had been watered down by taking out the, quote, explicit same-sex attraction and gave Dorian some female lovers. Um, The story tells of a man who never ages while his portrait turns decrepit and rotting. So go ahead and be the Daily Chronicle of London, Chelsea. So the
1: Daily Chronicle of London stated that the story was unclean, poisonous, and heavy with the mephitic odors of moral and spiritual putrefaction
0: and mephitic i looked it up it's like evil smells it's like oh, okay, specifically good. evil smells is what I, they're trying to say
1: i tripped on that word because i don't think i've ever seen it before
0: yeah I, it's it's a tough one so why would the daily chronicle of london and chelsea say these things because within the first <laughs> oh, few you. pages <laughs> within the first few pages it's as clear as a rainbow that basil Hallward the painter of Dorian's portrait is in love with him. Mm. And if you couldn't guess it, Dorian was, you know, a little bent wrist of, you know, the time. Yeah.
1: He is a beautiful
0: man with beautiful. uh, Habits and hobbies. Habits and hobbies. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray wasn't the first novel to layer both direct and indirect or coded queerness into literature that would then be turned into film. But before we get there, I'm going to jump a little forward before going all the way back to the beginning.
1: Dude, what a bummer that I just want to say that if I, if they would have put, if that would have been in the book, if it could have been as Oscar Wilde intended, I do think it would have been a better story Mm -hmm. because what you instead get is Dorian Gray meets this woman who falls madly in love with him. And then he's just shitty to her. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think even makes her get an abortion. I don't remember. Uh, fuck. I I would say I would reread it, but don't hate me. I would almost love for
0: someone to rewrite it with the intentions that Oscar Wilde had. Make that would that be it fascinating. About gay men, I would love to see because obviously the story was changed when it had to be dampened, yeah. which reminds me of going off script for a second. Reminds me of um, Interview with a Vampire. So Interview with a Vampire, Anne Rice's book is queer it is gay it is about a gay relationship between two va- two men one turns the other into a vampire you know they raise a child together that that is literally it but because when it went to film that was in the 90s when the aids epidemic was going on no one wanted to, to everyone was excited to turn the book that was so massively popular into a movie but yeah. at that time no one was ready to have two gay men swapping blood they just yeah. were not going to fucking have it so even though it eventually went into the hands of a gay director they still had to dampen the story mm-hmm. and it's why and rice took a fucking page out in in a magazine to say fuck this movie fuck all of it and like, yeah, girl, yeah. Like, I get why you would say that. And, sh- you know, she wasn't she wasn't wrong for that. I mean, she would be, but it, she wasn't at the time because I, I get why she felt that way. I get why she did that. Mm-hmm. Um, they still gave us a good movie. And she obviously went back after she saw the movie before it's released, got another pager and said, apologized for, you know, what she said. <laughs> yeah. But um, <clears throat> the new remake of interview with a vampire that is i think it's like amc plus Um, i feel like it's supposed to be a series right it is a series i got to watch the first episode incredible it's fucking incredible and it's such a shame that it's on like one of those like bonus package streaming services because everyone should watch it because within the first fucking episode they give you all of the gayness that it originally had it it puts it right back in it's Fantastic! Yeah. I think it's such, especially with um, Anne Rice's son helps on. He helps on the show. Anne Rice was going to, but of course she passed. And I think nothing is a better homage to her and her legacy than giving Vampire, like, Interview of the Vampire. It's like yeah. origin. Its roots in um, being a gay. Love story of trial and tribulation. So, um, shout outs to that big fan. But um, yeah, so anyway, let's talk about. So, I said we were going to jump into the future. We're mid right now, mid late 1800s, early 1900s. We're going to jump all the way forward to the 1930s to 60s. And then we're going to jump all the way fucking back. So, because <clears throat> it, it's going to get sad. And then I want to end it on a good. So, this is a sandwich okay. I've created. In the 1930s, the Motion Picture Production Code, aka the Hayes Code, was put into place. It defined what was allowed in film entertainment, but at its core, there are three things it aims to cover. Chelsea, can you read these? This is a direct screenshot of the actual printed Hayes Code. Can you read these three general principles? Yeah, so
1: the general principles, number one. No picture shall be produced, which will lower the moral standards of those who see it. Hence, the sympathy of the audience should never be thrown to the side of crime, wrongdoing, evil, or sin. Two, correct standards of life, subject only to the requirements of drama and entertainment, shall be presented. And three, law, natural or human, should not be ridiculed, nor shall sympathy be uh, created for its violation. It sounds like the comic code authority.
0: Pretty similar. Um, the Hayes Code also goes in to ban masculine women, feminine men, and interracial relationships. Interesting. Also know that this code wasn't shut down into the 1960s. So before I talk about my little paragraph here, Chelsea, what do you think these codes would do? What do you think? What do you think is the effect of this?
1: Uh what, controlling the narrative and preventing anything that isn't straight or white in the media? And
0: it controlled the status quo. That's what I would assume it would do. And even more specific than that, the sentence that like, you cannot have the audience sympathize with someone doing crime, wrongdoing, evil, or sin. So
1: how the the reason why I interpreted this is something similar to the comic code authority is because they had a similar rule. So it was the bad guys always had to lose at the end. And that's where you got the monster of the week type comic books. Mm -hmm. It also showed cops in good light. And it also showed that the hero would always win. Um, Monsters would be unmasked in human, like turn, like kind of like Scooby-Doo where they would unmask the villain. It was always a person at the end. Um,
0: so in film specifically preventing the audience from sympathizing with the quote-unquote sinner or evil villain is what gave way to the easiest and most common trope of horror which is gay villains and these laws right here are what directly and indirectly made the Mouse House design Ursula after the drag queen divine. And honestly, every single – if you really think about it, if you really put your thinking cap on and think about every Disney villain, there is something effeminate about the men. Yeah. And there is something um, like Dude, drag. no further or, than Jafar, man. What I mean, a, Jafar especially even think of um captain hook and smee who the fuck is Smee? his boyfriend bitch. his uh, fucking no, it's boyfriend his first name okay. <laughs> that is a <laughs> dub song relationship if i have ever seen it um it, it's like almost every fucking disney villain it, it's crazy so did that it's why norman bates was in his mother's closet mm-hmm. there was sexual tension between freddie krueger and jesse in nightmare 2 and if you're asking me it's why pinhead was the pvc pleather daddy dom of our nightmares all because whether directly from the haze code or indirectly even years after its existence why this trope has been so fucking etched into
1: Mm -hmm.
0: why things are the way they are and while fun it can also be not fun but the connection between horror literature and film and queerness is eternally linked have it be forced from laws like above and punishments being the reason why villains and monsters are either outwardly queer or queer coded because they are the outcast feared they're villainized for being unapologetically themselves or as alex our friend back in the furry episode said that there is nothing more descriptive of his journey in coming out as the body horror of a werewolf Mm -hmm. um these quotes I pulled are specifically from Queer for Fear. So Andrew Fleming, director and co-writer of The Craft said, quote, and you know, just on the most basic level, gay people are called monsters and have been for a long time. So there is that. Mm-hmm. Um, Carmen Maria Manchato, author, in, author of In the Dream House said, quote, when you've been on the other side of the pitchfork, you're maybe a little sympathetic to the monster. Mm -hmm. Some people find massive comfort in relating to monsters or villains in movies. I mean, I personally was rooting for Nancy the entire time in the craft. And I think all of us can name a few villains or monsters that we were kind of like, honestly, fucking get them. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately, these tropes perpetuated by the Hays Code came with some massive societal negative effects. Um, and I'm going to say a few caveats here we are going to be diving into a topic that I honestly am just the tip of the iceberg in touching on um, its reach and its explanation and I am not a member of the trans community I am a mere ally so I am not the overriding voice um, but these are just some kind of like points and observations and facts that have been pulled um, that I think are important to talk about. Before we dive in, I want to recommend an article called Fear and the Cisgender Audience, Transgender Representation and Audience Identification in Sleepaway Camp by Lucy J. Miller. You can read it on cinema.usc.edu. So while evil political goblins like Marjorie Taylor Greene get on TV or tweet about trans people being a threat to safety in public restrooms, everyone with a few firing brain cells left would go, what the fuck is she talking about? Mm -hmm. Because there is no evidence that letting transgender people use public facilities that align with their gender identity causes safety risk. And this is backed by a new study from the Williams Institute at UCLA's School of Law. Even a spokesperson from the Human Rights Campaign and the American Civil Liberties Union stated that, besides there being no statistical evidence of this, quote, threat, even the National Center for Transgender Equality has, quote, not heard of a single instance of a transgender person harassing a non-transgender person in a public restroom. Those who claim otherwise have no evidence that this is true and use this notion to pry on the public stereotypes and fears about trans people. So again, we ask ourselves, Where the fuck does this come from? Mm -hmm. And there is an unfortunate answer and factor, which is pop culture. Yeah. Let's make something very clear right here as well. None of these examples are even trans folks. They are gross misrepresentations of based off of like uneducated stereotypes, or they are just cross-dressing but you have to think that this is an audience from the 1960s, even to current um, under the chains of the Hayes code where a lot of these stereotypes and tropes were first kind of laid down. People refuse to learn the difference between cross-dressing drag performance, being transgender, sex versus gender choosing to not identify with a specific gender or that gender is a fucking social construct. Now, nowadays people don't want to understand that. So Mm -hmm. obviously it was not great then. So when a wonder bred viewer saw what was an Oedipus complex suffering, cross-dressing murdering Norman Bates and Alfred Hitchcock's psycho, in comes the seeds of panic. Norman Bates isn't trans, but he is one of the first in film to associate cross-dressing with a tendency to kill.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And some would say that this is kind of the start, the point. Yeah let's now talk about the more problematic Dress to Kill, which came out in 1980. This one is a big bummer to me because it's written and directed by Brian De Palma who created Blowout, which is one of my favorite movies ever. And I would recommend everyone watch that over this because Dress to Kill is honestly one of the most harmful contributors to the, quote, violent trans person stereotype. Okay. The killer, Bobby, is a trans woman with bipolar disorder. When manic, she dresses as a woman and kills women. They hint that this is like an envy type of murder, which, yeah, it's fucking (laughs) horrible. When depressed, she presents in a more masculine way and is nonviolent. There is so much more to dive into here, like how her therapist denies her top surgery, saying that her trans identity is what is causing her to be bipolar, which is just one of the most terrible, lazy, harmful fucking things I've ever heard in my life. But we can all clearly see how this snowball is a full avalanche, right? Mm -hmm. It's now. We have lost the fucking plot. Now let's talk about Sleepaway Camp, 1983. Another heartbreaker when you take the rose-colored lenses off and see what this movie is actually trying to say because again, I like loved Sleepaway camp. Mm-hmm. and when I was reading about um, trans representation and horror and specifically referencing Sleepaway camp, um, it I I felt so much um, shame and guilt for not seeing it. Yeah like obviously I am I am an ally and I love the trans community these movies never contributed to some fear or trope or like whatever, but it, it's just like, it was right there in front of my fucking face. I've seen all of these movies right there in my face. Yeah, and I it even never, heard of it never of even, it, it never even connected. Like I would say your average horror cinephile has seen all of these movies. Yeah. Um, like Brian De Palma is like one of the best directors and writers. Like, uh-huh. He, he has like created cinematic visionary um, in blowout specifically that you see. Um, it, it just it it sucks. It honestly like sucks. As someone who like loves film and loves horror specifically, it is so fucking heartbreaking. But important to talk about. Which I guess is why the way I here. could relate
1: is just J.K. Rowling being like a dumb bitch now,
0: and it's like but Harry Potter so good. Yeah, but like at least she wasn't making. <laughs> A fucking transphobe character. Like, she just, her herself is a cunt, but like, she wasn't writing in negative tropes about trans people in her fucking books about magic. You know what I mean? Right. Like, she's just a harmful person. But imagine the damage if she had written some like fucking shit like this. It's not even subtext, it's blatant. Imagine if like, voldemort was trans and that's why he was on this vendetta right to kill yeah. and she was saying that specifically no and you're the right books yeah. were still as popular as they were like it is so much more damaging yeah. that the entire point and plot is trans fear like mm-hmm. th- that's the problem so yeah <clears throat> anyway let's talk about sleepaway camp um plot there's a killer on the loose at a summer camp par for the course when it comes to 80 slashers but the twist here it's one of the campers angela and another twist we find out they were assigned male at birth but her parents who are horrifically abusive force angela to dress as a girl just that whole just even that point they yeah. don't even talk about like how that's a form of abuse um it's just it i can't it's like i don't i don't have a therapist with me to like go over this so we're just gonna let that sentence be there um (laughs) so the movie obviously skips over that part um about actual fucking abuse and says you know that the camp when the camp finds out that angela has a penis that's why the killings happen so we get this bag of problems where the viewers are told that abuse causes transness and that transness causes murder Mm. so not great yeah and now i'm going to end on a movie that i'm assuming everyone has seen which is 1991 silence of the lambs i was just gonna say buffalo bill that's
1: what i was thinking of when Mm -hmm. you first started this
0: Mm -hmm. as we know clarice gets the help from psychologist cannibal serial killer hannibal Lecter, and profiling and tracking current killer buffalo bill Lecter tells clarice and us that the killer is violent and trans because of their mental illness so again tying back up to that like dress to kill trope of transness causes mental illness yeah. and violence in a brief and fleeting moment of clarity i would say Clarice argues that Buffalo Bill isn't violent just because they're trans, but that one sentence is completely lost when, you know, goodbye horses comes on. Yeah. And Buffalo Bill is putting on lipstick. So, you know what I'm saying?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the dance. I don't even want to congratulate. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I don't even want to congratulate the attempt. So, we're not. While lazy, the trope that trans women Or any gender nonconforming person is a violent serial killer is a popular one. And if we are to sit up at night with our red yarn, we'd unfortunately find the connection between this horror trope and bringing transphobia into the homes of viewers and giving people like man-eating Titan, Marjorie Taylor Greene, some sort of justification in their hate. So now that we have a basic understanding as to how entertainment was forced and then by habit queer coded in both a positive and negative way let us go back to something more lighthearted
1: yeah (laughs) bummer dude that's so fucking sad because like you're right if you blink you'll miss it but that's because we're not experiencing that we neither one of us identify as transgendered um and i feel like even if we identified as queer or that was something that we like really held on to. I don't think that we're, I think that we would be in the category of having it easier. Um, so we just don't fucking understand the struggle cause that's, we've never had it. So it's like, you fucking miss it. And it was the same when I was watching Dracula and I was like, that is a little gay, isn't it? And then yeah. I was like, but I didn't see it because I was watching it through a mat, like the mask of somebody who's not affected by those problems. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's
1: uh, it's the same as uh, let's just say I was walking down the street and a cop pulled a gun on me and I'm white and I'm a man. And I'm like, oh, that was really (laughs) fucking scary. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then people are like, yeah, imagine if you were actually in danger yeah you know what i mean it's like uh, what she means
0: to say is yeah that was a really scary experience because you're a white man who had a gun pulled on them by the cops but you're able to tell us this story right now because you are a white man because if you were any shade darker i don't think you would be having the ability to tell us this story right now
1: yeah and also uh the sexualization of just like women anyway you know so like i would say that like transgendered uh, people or like women of color or like the more marginalized. Cause I think even if we did identify it, even if you and I identified as lesbian, I think we would be probably a little bit more
0: protected from some of these in this day and age. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's also like, how can I say this? If you don't even, I feel like if you don't even have the inkling of, um, I don't even want to say like bigotedness because like maybe it's just ignorance but like if you don't even have like that i think you would miss it right or you know what i mean like you're not you're not like looking for that so there's it's not making a connection it's not sparking Mm -hmm. but if you had even the tiniest bit of ignorance or fear and then you see this you would immediately attach to it and it would explain everything it's why when as like a woman you see a woman like
1: if I see a man walking down the street at night, I feel a sense of jealousy. If I see a woman walking the street at night, I see a sense of, like, I get fearful. And it's yeah. something that because we are triggered to see that and perceive that danger of being a woman alone at night, we can see it. Whereas I don't think our partners would perceive that. I would be like, yeah. aren't you scared to walk alone at night? And they're like, yeah, I don't want to get, like, robbed, robbed. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to get, like raped or trafficked um it's like a different kind of fear and that's because we've been trained to see it and that's the only way i could like really describe
0: it is um yeah
1: like a woman alone in a parking garage Mm -hmm. in a movie i'm like that's scary
0: yeah but i will i will say now that you know now that you are trained to see it Mm -hmm. you will see it everywhere like 100 you will see these tropes You will see queer coded villains, you will see queer coded horror, you will see negative tropes, it's just, it's fucking everywhere. Now you'll see it. So um, let's go back (laughs) to something more lighthearted. And honestly, all the way back to the origins, the original mother of horror the goth girl blueprint with her lavender marriage none other than the queen herself mary shelley
1: i've learned so much about mary shelley this past week and it's just come to me in a synchronicity type way um where it was like we were meant to talk about her right now
0: oh i I, every single day we should be forced to talk about mary shelley um so why what were the things that happened to you
1: I I was watching, there was like a Netflix show and this girl was flirting with a guy and she was pretending to be in college. So he's like, what's your major or like, what's your thesis? And she said that her thesis was going to be on Shakespeare. But then she offhanded said, I wanted it to be about Mary Shelley. And then she goes off on this rant about how she's the mother of science fiction and horror. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like I knew... I knew Mary Shelley was an eclipse, but I never fucking looked at it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: now that I've seen it, my eyes have been scalded with truth of the inc- how fucking important she is to horror and science fiction. I didn't know. I I would assume that people in my boat who, like, appreciate horror but aren't necessarily horror connoisseurs, I don't think I knew that Frankenstein predated Dracula. Mm-hmm which was very surprising to me because I thought that Dracula was much older. Uh, those were things that I learned just organically throughout the week when I wasn't going through it. And uh, I'm excited to talk about her now as like a, a, a bigger fan than I had been.
0: I think maybe we'll have to like turn around and give Mary Shelley her own like episode because her life is so fucking tragic and yeah. interesting. But um, to tie into this episode, and summarize it down a bit um mary shelley besides being the mother of sci-fi horror um she also was um a bit of uh, a gay yeah she was a bit of a gay (laughs) some would say that she was probably bi um and her Mm -hmm. and her husband um percy shelley hung out with known suave um man of good times lord byron um and It's rumored that they were like kicked out of um, like France for their fucking sex parties and Mm -hmm. not sex parties as in like orgies, but as in like swapping partners. So, you know, like Mary says that as I choke and die, she writes about her friend, Jane, you know, you know, friend. They've been friends for years, live together, that type of friend. Um, She says, quote, I was so ready to give myself away. After being afraid of men, I was apt to get Towsy Mousy for women. And Towsy Mousy is slang for vagina.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I had no idea.
0: Yeah. And honestly, go uh, watch Queer for Fear episode one, because they bring on a drag performer, uh, Alaska Thunderfuck, to read the entire love letter that goes over basically how uh, Mary Shelley's, you know, same-sex relationships, baby. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You can figure it out for yourself. But... Besides Mary Shelley being like a queer icon and mother of sci-fi horror, people say Frankenstein is representative of a lot of things. Obviously the fears of science, the terrifying reality of a man creating life, playing God with creation and death. And of course, the reason why we're fucking here, grappling with homosexuality. Mm -hmm. Throughout the book, Dr. Frankenstein takes all the best, most muscly parts of a bouquet of men. And pieces them together to create the perfect man for reanimation. Which is a little gay if you're asking me.
1: Yeah. Why create a man? Why not create a lady friend?
0: Oh. It's just like Doc and Frankenfurter, Dr. Frankenfurter, know, obviously. That's, that's exactly what, what I was like, thinking. Like, this just is just Rocky Horror Picture Show. laid it up. Because he was like, I want the hottest, yeah. muscliest, <laughs> six-pack of a man. <clears throat> and that's exactly what Dr. Frankenstein did. So also i will say when people are like
1: it's frankenstein's monster i want to just say that it is so universally accepted into the vernacular that frankenstein and frankenstein's monster can all be wrapped into one so if you say frankenstein and the image that comes into your head is like the big green cork or whoever played him that's fine
0: stop pissing on people yeah um yeah so i that that it's like a trivia question if you're ever at trivia night the monster has no name victor frankenstein is yeah. dr frankenstein he creates frankenstein's sure. monster but it's easy to just call the monster frankie honestly if you're asking me so agreed so don't add us once the now dubbed monster walks off the table dr frankenstein runs from it and tries to abandon it mm. 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 the monster's existence and Victor's inability to escape from it cause him to destroy not only all of his friendships and relationships, but also his marriage to Elizabeth. Some would say this is Victor running from his sexuality. Mm -hmm. Whereas the creature that he created only seeks to find love and be loved. He doesn't even realize that society fears him until they start to violently reject him. Mm -hmm. And some would say, this is the experience of a queer person. Yep. Born queer wanting happiness and love and being rejected by some of society because they don't understand and therefore choose
1: to fear you. Being rejected when you didn't even want to be fucking born, And that's exactly how you were created. Mm-hmm. And being rejected for that. And mm-hmm. it asked for it. I mm-hmm. was created this way. And yeah. now you fucking hate me? You this pussy what I'm saying. ass
0: bitch? Back to nature. It's it's the trying to reject nature. Mm-hmm. Um, And also, yes, the creature demands a bride. But only because he thinks that will stop the misery he feels from the hatred of society. Some would say this is... The forceful conformity in denying your queerness or, you know, getting yourself a beard, Mm -hmm. another common day uh, term for, uh, you know, maybe two queer people in a marriage that's trying to pass as cis. Mm -hmm. The movie ends with both Frankenstein and the monster dying. Some would see this. (laughs) Some would, sir despite how much you fight or run from it nature or in this case your queerness is an indistinguishable trait
1: huh it's almost
0: like they're made that way yeah it's almost like society was always the problem anyway and and that's it right the the quote i will end you with is the monster is innocent he is brought into being he is what he is it is society that is the monster.
1: Mm-hmm. Fiend. Have you ever had to be a beard?
0: Um, I mean, probably.
1: <laughs> I mean, I Have did it you? in a, a less, I guess, not in a, like a romantic way, but I would always go to dances and stuff with my friends in high school. And they'd be like, if I don't go to a dance, like it's going to break my mom's heart. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll go. And, oh. Uh, That's cute. Yeah. I mean,
0: beardy, beardy I've definitely... i didn't have anything as wholesome as that every all of my uh gay friends were like out um Mm -hmm. and it was no big deal um especially in my house yeah um but i there definitely probably were people that i've dated that i was like you can you can you can come out yeah you can come out you can tell me um so it's it's so fucking sad
1: dude um But oh, it's just sad. It's sad that, um, I mean, it's like we get like a beauty in their suffering because, like, look at what was created. And you can say that they're, we talked about, I can't remember if we talked about this on a podcast or a little bit before, but it was like, what if you're not queer and you still identify with the monsters i do think that's fine there is a necessary there is an element that's going to exist with these that everybody's going to identify with just because it's Mm -hmm. the other and we all feel outcasted at some time i think what we have to do in giving credit to these authors and then these tropes and these monsters was this is the we're personifying how they fucking felt and how they were ostracized from society and um
0: I mean like Looking. that's the whole beauty of art though right it's like yeah. you can read Frankenstein and you can watch Frankenstein and you can walk away just being like fearing life and death right mm-hmm. that can be the point that you get away with like from it you are just like yeah creating life and death is scary playing God as a mere mortal it's, man is scary wrong, yeah and yeah not right you can that can be it for you but it would also be a disservice um like for people like us to be talking about this and not also talk about how this is almost a fucking allegory for yeah. um trying to stay closeted and what can happen to you when you do that
1: and we've been a little bit more woke in society about how like um Elvis, you know, got his inspiration, hashtag ripped off certain, uh, like, people of color who had been doing, like, what he had, what he was doing for a while now. And um, we have to give, like, the same credit now to these queer authors Mm -hmm. of creating, like, giving this creation to yeah. I mean, fuck, what would Halloween be without these? Like, what would our culture be without like universal monsters or what would subculture be or like, you know, outsider identity? Because anytime, I don't know, anytime you go into someone's home and they are obsessed with the universal monsters, 99% of the time, they're not like your cut and dry type of person. And mm-hmm. it's, you don't have to be like on the fringes of society. You could just have like a, a nose ring, you know? But it's. Yeah. It, there's some sort of identifier there and yeah. um, I am bummed that I was ignorant to this for so long because it now, I don't want to say it makes it more interesting, but I think it gives it a validity that I can appreciate even if I'm not like a quote unquote Universal Monsters fan.
0: Yeah. I think it also talking about like <clears throat> having to right the wrongs of the past, just mm-hmm. like how we have to go, not have to, but it's kind of like what's right to do and important to do to go back and give credit where it was due, Um, like your example with Elvis and how he like just ripped off, you know, like black jazz communities and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. It's also like when it was like punishable to be out and queer, they were still like queer artists and writers and filmmakers were still putting it in there. The that's where the whole queer coding comes from. They were still putting it in there hoping that yeah. someone like them would pick up on it and I think that's so important. And it's so um, fucking
1: punk rock too. Like, okay, then I'm going to I'm going to do it in such a way you can't fucking touch me then. Yeah. And uh it's it's also um calling their it's also like sh- making them show their hand of like, it's just a monster. What you, why are you identifying with it so hard? You know, it's mm-hmm. like prove it because if you want to, you're not coming right out and you're, you don't want to say I'm a monster, especially like in the, like now because you'll get what canceled. Um, but it's, it's forcing people to identify who the real monster is. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, Babe's, I'm just talking about Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. What are you so pressed about? And mm-hmm. it's the the nuances and how intelligently they put this into their their works and their media that may, just makes it so fucking good.
0: Oh, for oh, sure. So good. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that is pretty much. I would I would just summarize this as queer representation in horror, and obviously, there have been leaps and strides into being better. Um, I mean, one of the greatest examples is like, Pinhead is now being played by Jamie Clayton, an actress um, in the Hulu remake, and she is also a trans actress. And I think that that is such an empowering, reclaiming role and also still a very queer role because it's about, you know, Cenobites, which are just PVC fucking bondage babies. But uh, we are getting better. But yeah. I don't think you can truly get better until you can acknowledge how bad it was yeah. um, and be able to recognize when those things are happening, call them out, or prevent them. So, yeah, definitely. So, that is that. And everyone should go back and read um, Frankenstein because Mary Shelley is incredible.
1: Yeah, I'm about to be a bummer. I finished The Haunting of Hill House, the book, um, which it's not as fun. It's not like the Netflix series that was really fucking good. It's more like the movie that came out in like 1999 with Catherine Zeta-Jones.
0: I was so bored, dude. Oh, that's such a bummer.
1: I know. It was written in the style that I'm just not receptive to in this day and age, which was the... Meredith really liked having crumpet and teas and she imagined herself sitting in a cottage and in the cottage she had a cup with stars on it and every time she drank it she would imagine that there were stars and that's where she went now and I'm going to talk about it for 40 fucking minutes instead of talking about the ghosts which is really what you're fucking here for. I was like, do it! I see what you're saying, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm You're- trying to be a supportive partner and I'm partaking in a book club with my partner, which I am excited about book club, but I'm also excited to rip this fucking book apart for being...
0: You know what? Incredible. As you should. Someone has to be there and be the abrasive voice of reason. Yeah. Um, speaking of the ab- abrasive b- voice of reason, if you go into the book um, in in any of our bios, I'm at Noel Fane, Chelsea is at Sith Lard, and we are at Go to Hell Podcast on all socials. You can find a link in our bios, which will take you to find things like Pro Choice Resources, our merch, um, our Patreon, new episodes, every. Friday most of the time, unless we do a massive dump and then you get all of them at once and then we'll come back eventually. Mm -hmm. A dollar gets you in. Um, You can also find a link to Kelly Holloran or at Wildwood Owl on Etsy, her stickers that she makes for us and also makes for herself because she does cool shit too. Um, And a link to our Discord server. We also have, I I think Friday, Friday the... 14th, I believe, is when it will be out. You can listen to the episode that we did with Rect Podcast, which is W-R-E-C-K-E-D C-A-S-T on Instagram. Um, Cast on everything. We'll obviously post about it, but they will be posting their episode on Friday.
1: I want to give them a, a special shout-out because um... Noelle's definitely better at being fucking nice and being an interesting person when she meets people, I am dog shit because I will recluse like a spider. You know what I, I mean? I don't
0: know what you're talking. You, are you literally
1: coming out here and lying? But I'm saying that the, <laughs> yeah. the, the people on Wrecked podcast, that exemplary group felt like I was talking to old fucking friends where that wasn't even a problem. Yeah. So uh, support them because they're amazing and they're funny and genuinely an enjoyable group. Um, because I felt, uh, I felt like I was just talking to old friends, as cheesy yeah. as that sounds. They were it super was fun to be with.
0: Like, we have known each other for a million lifetimes. Yeah. And
1: also, so. um, Des also believes that all dogs go to heaven. So we're tight
0: now. <laughs> oh yeah. That whole yeah, argument. started another fight. <laughs> um, um, so definitely make sure you listen yeah. to that episode. Um, and yeah, that's all I have to say about, you know what I do have to say? What? Hail Satan! That's what I, I am You you paused, and I was so
1: confused. Um, I'm gonna say, hail, hail the uh, the they, them's, and the LGBTQIA. That's a little hope. That's a little too soft, too. That's a little nice. We never end this on a nice note. Uh, hail this sick ass Starbucks coffee cup that Noel got me.
0: Yeah, honestly, another hail to that too. Hail this uranium glass <laughs> Starbucks cup. Yep, we're a bunch of hypocrites supporting. Oh God, don't say. You know what
1: I mean. (laughs) But these cups are so cool.
0: I can see. (laughs) The cups are so cool. I mean, I didn't (laughs) buy it with my money. You might still have to, you know, take some lashings. But this wasn't purchased with my money. This was purchased with my partner's money, and he gave it to me. So I didn't support Starbucks. I didn't support that. Actually. Can we actually just tell the Vegas story really quick? This can
1: just be like an end of the Sure, tell the Vegas one. story, yeah. So, um, Noel's partner, his love language, I feel like is gift giving, um, which is also my love language. So he gave Noel a nice chunk of change because we went to <laughs> Vegas to see My Chemical Romance, which was yeah. so good. It was such yeah, it was a fun great. trip. Um But Noelle was telling us the story of like, yeah, my partner left me money out and was like, hey, have a good time. I love you. And so Taylor is like, I'm going to see what my- Typhoid Taylor. Yeah, Typhoid Taylor. (laughs) So she texts her husband and it's like, hey, Noelle's boyfriend gave her money to go to Vegas. And then her husband was like, okay immediately like gets a venmo matching the amount that you're playing <laughs> you know, and it was you could say triple it. digits you could just uh, say it yeah it was 200 bucks and we were like fuck dude and i'm like i'm gonna see what oliver says because <laughs> i don't yeah. oliver's love language is not gifted. <laughs>
0: like oliver's love language is hoarding money
1: yeah that's exactly it So Oliver's love language is acts of service, which is the opposite. I feel like of gift giving Um, Mm -hmm. because it's not tangible. You know what I mean? So anyway, I'm like, I'm going to see what he says. And so then I message Oliver. What actually did he say? He was basically like, no, I'm poor. (laughs) (laughs) Can I give you a high five instead? (laughs) Meanwhile, Noel and Taylor just got immediately like money. And I was like, Ha ha ha. And it wasn't a test that I expect him to pass because I knew he wouldn't do anything.
0: <laughs> but he did do something.
1: He Venmoed me $20, which was super sweet. Um, And then I think we spent it on breakfast or whatever,
0: which is yeah. sweet, but it was
1: just so funny because it was like, 200 bucks, 200 bucks. And then Oliver's like, 20. And, and then he, in his Venmo, he's like, I missed a decimal. And we were all just laughing. And then it became like a running joke of like the whole trip um.
0: <laughs> it was hilarious and fantastic and it was a um, good joke it had good typhoid timing. taylor did send the money back to her husband but she was yeah. just like i can't believe because at first the okay was kind of like and you're telling me this why yeah but <laughs> he probably because her husband is such a sweetheart i bet yeah. he internalized that he said that in his head and then for saying it in his head he felt like he had to repent and so he gave her money like just that's 100 percent it like, I feel like that's exactly what happened.
1: Um, I was surprised. I thought Oliver would maybe send me like five cents as a joke. So thank you, but I think I, twenty bucks is nice. We, I feel like a lot of us spent the whole trip manifesting good things for our partners because we were like, oh, so and so would like that, so and so would like that, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't like trying to take them for a ride by any means, but it was just funny that um, <laughs> the, the the thing that happened was our I. Fucking hate that our boyfriends talk to each other like friends, which is annoying. Hate it because then they immediately started to communicate with each other.
0: What was happening? Yeah, so let (laughs) me tell my side of the story. Right? Yeah. And here's the thing: as some of you might know. I don't accept financial gifts well because I have dealt with um, financial abuse from partners, so I don't do it well. And it's so unfortunate because Ty, that's all he wants to do. Yeah. But And we're working on it, right? I'm working on it. So that's why he... Yeah, it must be left, really hard
1: for you. <laughs> I know, you guys, it's really hard. <laughs>
0: um, that's why he just left cash on my purse so I couldn't, like, you know, give it back, whatever. And um, so he calls me when we're at the hotel like listen this all happened in the drive and then when uh-huh. we're at the hotel i'm like calling to check on my dogs that he w- were watching whatever and he's like he's like <laughs> why did you tell every <laughs> why did you tell everyone that i gave you money and i was like what and he was like oliver texted me and said <laughs> <laughs> and i was like and before i i was just laughing because i was getting ready to tell him the story you just told yeah and he, like you can't be telling people these things to make them upset. You can't make people upset <laughs> about the nice things that I do for you. And it like basically being like, please stop bragging that you're spoiled because it's making people jealous. Was <laughs> <The conversation. laughs> And I was like, you don't understand. Yeah, no, the, the context makes us sound super shitty, but it was
1: all in jest. Um, <laughs> because the, the tea of it is, is that Oliver got me a house. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, yeah, um, which Yeah, Chelsea lives in a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a backyard, so let me have my $200 for Vegas, you fucking bitch. Yeah, so that's the
1: joke, is that also Oliver and I, like, we don't share finances in, in like, a traditional way, but we do share savings accounts and things like that. (laughs) So it's, like, asking Oliver for money, it's like a a wife asking her husband for money when they share everything, Um, but it was fun, and then they started fucking talking
0: and turned it against us.
1: Uh, I don't need them communicating.
0: I am i don't. I s- sure don't. I'm so, so, it's adorable and also not. It's adorable when it's not affecting me. That's it's what I'll say. <laughs> another,
1: uh, another adorable story is when you and I were on the phone and Mm -hmm. we were like, our boyfriends aren't talking to us. And I come home and they're literally FaceTiming drinking together. Mm -hmm. And like, they each have their phones just set up on a cabinet so they can like drink and be hands-free and talk. I come in and Oliver like turns and looks like he just got caught. And I go, Mm -hmm. look at this. I show Noel Mm -hmm. and ties on his phone for like two seconds and then ducks down (laughs) like in the most,
0: like a, child, like a child like a child like a delayed response from a child he he I'm looking at him through a FaceTime while he's on a FaceTime because he hasn't replied to me and I think we were both trying to just like figure out what we, we were doing for dinner yeah. and we were getting no response and I was like what the yeah, fuck? It's annoying." and then she's like oh would you look at this and then he, he we make eye contact <laughs> oh, yeah. via third like second party FaceTimes and I I'm like what and then he just dodges and then he just disappears and I'm like and Oliver screams like she knows what your house looks like. Yeah, that's the thing, is <laughs> it's like his home that you yeah, have been in. <laughs> it's just that, and, it, and also, besides that point, I looked at him for like a solid yeah. three weeks. Like you acknowledged him before you're like- he ducked down. So uh, yeah, they are,
1: they are, something. Yeah, they're really inspiring the monster tropes, if you know what I mean.
0: You know what I mean! (laughs) I bet these motherfuckers are out here slowly poisoning us so they can be together.
1: (laughs) I know, I bet they're like, let's come up with fucking these radioactive Starbucks cups that they're gonna eat shit for. (laughs) Let's give
0: them the cancer cups. Oh, man. Well, you know what?
1: Hail the cancer cups, because they're cool as hell and they glow in the dark. Sure, do love them. Okay, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm sick of talking about this. Bye. Bye.